Hey guys, this is Erwin Raphael McManus and welcome to the Genius of Podcast. Today I have an incredible guest. Uh, you probably know her and her family from the world famous Duck Dynasty. We have Sadie Robinson Huff today and it's just such a gift to have her. She brings so much joy and optimism and, and by the way, at such an incredibly young age, such a clear and brilliant thinker, entrepreneur, businesswoman, and communicator. And before we dive into that, I want to let you know that we have released The Art of Communication. If you know that you need to make an investment in yourself so that you can become the best communicator that you can within your gifts and talents and abilities, I want you to download The Art of Communication. And by the way, I just know you're more gifted have more potential, have more ability to communicate effectively than you may know. So oftentimes, our greatest fear is the fear of speaking in front of people. And because it's our greatest fear, we should also realize it's probably our greatest opportunity. So go right now to theartofcommunication.org, pick up The Art of Communication, and begin investing in yourself right now. Sadie, it is so good to have you on the Genius of Podcast. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. I had the joy of being on your podcast and getting to know you even more and getting to know your dad, Willie. And so thank you so much for joining me today. And I know you would never say you're a genius, but um, we're identifying you as someone that has exhibited such a genius and making such a tremendous impact on people's lives. Wow. Thank you. That truly is such an honor for you to say. And um, I love having you on my podcast. I didn't know if I was going to make it on your podcast because like, like you said, I would not consider myself a genius, but I thought if my dad could make it, maybe there's room. Maybe there's room for me too. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask, here's my, the most important question I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you it first. Do you hunt? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, I don't, which I know people are like, what? Like you come from a family who literally hunts for a living, but it's not my thing. It's not, I mean, I love that they do it. I like to uh, reap the benefits of eating the deer steak when they come cook it at home, but I don't hunt. No. All right. Well, you grew up um, in the world of Duck Dynasty. Yeah. And so it is kind of interesting that the very thing that kind of made your family famous is something that you observed, but you actually don't do. I know. I guess that is kind of funny. It's just one of those things where, you know, that, that actually hunting was like my family's job, you know? And I think mm -hmm. like most kids in the South, like they grow up like going hunting with their dad. It's just fun, but it's like a really serious thing for them, you know? So I'm like not going to go up in the dug blind and act like I know how to do anything. <laughs> and I just never had much interest in it. So that is ironic that, you know, our family got famous, if you will, from something like hunting and I don't even partake in it. But um, I do, like I said, enjoy the uh, food that comes home. <laughs> but I, I think once a person gets to know you and your dad, you realize the family business really isn't hunting, that you no, are yeah. so much um, like the legacy that your father has um, really left the world in that you've learned how to tell the story of your life and to talk about things that are really meaningful through all the adventures and experiences in your life. And it seems like you've mm -hmm. just step right into that. I mean, you're only yeah. 24 years old and you're influencing people all over the nation, all over the world. And, and I remember when you first came out to LA and I think we're part of dancing with the stars yeah. and was, and you, you came to mosaic and, um, and it was just a, a wonderful opportunity for us to get to know you. 
but you grew up in the world of celebrity and and in LA that can be almost like the kiss of death yeah when you're when you're like a child star and so maybe we could just sort of begin a little bit with your backstory because you you grew up in the limelight you grew up with fame all around you and for a lot of kids that becomes the environment where they just come out of it really broken really cynical maybe angry and you've come out of that journey so positive so optimistic so authentic you're almost the the counter of what people think about as the childhood story in hollywood uh, can you just tell, tell me a little bit about what that experience was like growing up with totally. fame and 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 then how you related to it and how you've made it through so beautifully totally well uh thank you for saying that and i will say like for the people who have, you know, hit fame at an early age and maybe they've gone a different path or they've had some stumbling blocks on the way. I have so much compassion for that because I see why that happens and I see how that happens. And there was certainly a moment in my story where I feel like that could have happened, you know, um, I could have kind of lost it. But it was in that moment, which I'll get to in a little bit, but when I really found Jesus, I started asking some big questions. But yes, my family had a TV show called Doug Dynasty. It started when I was in eighth grade. So my middle school years, which is a weird time to get famous for sure, um, just coming out of the awkwardness. And then, um, but I was kind of like hidden behind the shadow of my family, uh, which I was okay with. I didn't have this like desire to be famous. It's not something I really thought about. Um, We're from a small town in Louisiana. So it was quite random. It seemed like obviously it was God's um, intention, but it seems so random that we would be famous a few years ago by and I'm 17 at the time junior in high school and I get asked to be on Dance with the Stars. And whenever I was on Dance with the Stars, that's when my life kind of went crazy, if you will. Um, I moved to LA for those few months and um, like all of a sudden the spotlight was on me. Um, I ended up coming in second. So I was on the show for several weeks and um, got a huge following from that show. And it was kind of like right after the show. And I will say my experience at Dance with the Stars was amazing and I loved my time there. But you know, becoming famous that fast or all of a sudden having the spotlight on you in a time where you don't even know who you are and everyone's telling you who you are or who you should be or the road that you should take. And then all these opportunities are coming out of all these places. And I was just really wrestling with, um, what do I want to do with life? Who am I? All these questions that everybody asks themselves, right? And I think like when people get famous, it's hard because they let other people tell them who they are or what they should do or what their next move should be. Or they, um, you kind of go off of the response of how people react to certain things. And in this time, I really just started asking God, like, God, what are you doing in my story? And honestly, that sounds like a good thing to ask God these questions, but I wasn't really asking like in a beautiful way. I was kind of asking in an angry way. I was pretty upset about the fact that I felt like I had lost my life. I felt like I had lost all my friends. I felt lonelier than ever. I felt so much anxiety. I kind of felt like a hypocrite because I felt like everyone was like putting me as this poster child of Christianity when I wasn't even like living a super pure life. And um, so all these things I was wrestling with. So I was like, God, like, why me? Why would you do this? Why did you choose me for this? And um, I remember it was the summer before going to senior year. This was like I said, after Dance with Stars, after I had a lot of fame, I was getting a lot of opportunities in uh, LA for like different movies and different things. But all of these things didn't align with like who I was. Like the opportunities were definitely um, biblically not <laughs> aligned. 
And I was kind of asking myself, is that, is that what I'm going to do? And I asked God, like, what, what is this? What do I do with this? And right when I'm asking that question, I end up going to this conference. And at this conference, this woman, Alex Seeley, I don't know if you know Alex, she was preaching a message. And I'd actually never seen a woman preach before because we grew up in a really like traditional background. So um, I remember like at Mosaic, I saw your wife Kim like give a little, um, I think I did a Q&A, but I'd never seen someone go up and preach. So I'm sitting there and as I'm watching her, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just telling me, like prompting, like, that's what you're going to do. Like, and as I began to just kind of feel this prompting, I was like, oh my gosh, like that would make all of this make sense. That would actually give meaning behind what I'm doing. Um, because as this woman was preaching, she was saying things that I needed to hear. She was saying things that awakened things in my spirit. She was saying things that made me feel convicted. I need to repent for. And I was like, man, I wish I could say words that matter like that. Then I start reading the word and the word says that your tongue holds the power of life and death, that the spirit of living God is living inside of you. And I realized, wait a second, I can say words that matter. And I have a platform of people listening. And so why am I not using this? It was like this light bulb moment of, I'm sitting here thinking that fame has to look a certain way, that it has to look like doing movies or it has to look like doing things that don't align with who I am, or it has to look like moving to, you know, a certain city or promoting myself a certain way or wearing a certain amount of clothes or whatever. But I actually realized like fame does not mean that fame is just an influence and an influence is something you get to choose what type you want to have with. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, my story. And like I said, like when I was 17, that could have taken two different routes, but I feel like um, the important thing was really stopping and asking God what he said over than listening to what the world was saying. Cause fame is so tricky, especially at a young age because the world seems so loud and you have to quiet it and get with the voice of the Lord and hear what he has to say. Mm. So is that when you came up with your theme of live original? Actually, literally at that conference, I um, had the idea to start live original in person, like gatherings, and I wrote it in my journal. So what's crazy is this is just the goodness of God. So I had decided to write a book when I was a sophomore in high school. This is when Doug Dynasty was going, but before Dancing with the Stars. And I decided to write a book because people were starting to invite me to speak places because of Doug Dynasty, just like talking about the show, not like preaching. And um, it scared me because I didn't like public speaking. None of that. I was so intimidated by that. And um, my mom would just be like, no, you have good things to say. You can be a good example. And I was like, there's other ways I can be a good example. (laughs) So I was like, why don't I write a book? And I titled the book Original. And then the book released while I was on Dancing with the Stars. So that message really got out there, um, which was just incredible timing. And then whenever I saw Alex doing that, I thought, man, I could do that. And what if I just call it Live Original? And here we are, what, six, seven years later. And I have a sign behind it that says Live Original. And that's what I'm doing to this day. And I'm just so thankful because I've gotten to see uh, just the power that that influence can have whenever you say words that matter and lead people to Jesus. Yeah, it's sort of ironic. I think most people looking from the outside would say being famous would allow you to live original, but actually being famous oftentimes almost paralyzes your originality because you start becoming whatever you think you need to be so that other people will love you, will accept you, will cheer you on, will be your fans. Is it, it really for you, it took a lot of strength of character to say, I'm going to choose to be original over being famous. And then if I'm famous being original, then that's a great outcome. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest, I really thought whenever I started like living fully for Jesus and fully original, I really didn't think that I would continue to be famous, if you will, or continue mm-hmm. to be uh, popular or whatever, whatever you want to call it, trendy. Uh, but it was kind <laughs> of like, I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. I... I don't want to do anything that doesn't matter. I don't want to just be famous to be famous. I want to, if I'm going to be known, then I want to, you know, make this count. And so, but what's crazy is by offering people Jesus and not just offering people me, more people have followed, more people have, um, you know, I've, I've gotten, if you will, more famous. And it's because it's not about me, it's about the Lord. And so hopefully when people like come to my page or buy my book or watch, listen to a podcast, like, the amazing thing is they don't leave going, Oh, Sadie's awesome. They leave going, okay, I needed to hear what Jesus had to say to me in that moment. And I think that's the cool thing because fame adds so much pressure to your life, you know, but it's an amazing thing when you can give that pressure to Jesus and say, okay, I can't handle this. This actually makes me want to crumble, but you can God and you, all these people are your children. So, you know, do what only you can through me in that way. And it's just an incredible thing to um, take that stress off and build his kingdom and not build my own platform. But I talk a lot about fame in my new book. And um, this girl actually said in the interview, she said that she believes that fame and the desire to be famous is the biggest um, desire our generation has. And the interviewer said, why? And uh, he, he said, she said, because um, people want to be known and they want to be loved and they like want people to know that people care about them. And she said, even if it's like someone cares about what I'm having for lunch, I just want to know people care. This uh, person was saying, and I looked at that interview and I thought, you know, she's not wrong that we do have this desire to be known and to be loved. And we want to know people care about us and all those things. But the problem with that is that we think fame will give us that and fame cannot give you that. Fame almost gives you this false promise of that because you can be seen by all of these people, but not known by a single one of them. Therefore, you don't feel loved. You could be have millions of followers, but have no friends. And, and then it's empty. And I feel like that's where I was after Dance with the Stars. I had all this fame, but I didn't have a friend. I had all these followers and all these likes, so I didn't feel loved. And when you're in that moment, like that's a very empty feeling. But that's on the contrary, like whenever you know Jesus and whenever you're in relationship with Jesus and you know that you're loved and you know that you're seen, and you know that you're adored and you know that, you know, you have a purpose for your life and you know your identity and you know all these things um, in the one who truly can satisfy those things in your soul, man, it doesn't matter if you have fame or not have fame, you know, um, that impacts everything else that you do. And so I hope that the new book gives people that message. And I hope my life is a testimony to that because I have happened to see fame and I've seen what Jesus can do. Well, you mentioned your new book, Who Are You Following? And I, I imagine there's some people who are listening right now who are meeting you for the first time and um, and are just absolutely amazed that a 24-year-old has so much insight and has is so well-grounded. But I, I want you to just, for just a few moments, talk to me about your book, Who Are You Following? And what maybe what inspired you to write the book and um, maybe what the core theme is that you'd want people to know about when they open up the pages. 
Yeah. So who are you following is out. I can't believe it. So exciting. Um, basically, I wanted to write this book because um, the subtitle of this book talks about how we're how to follow Jesus in a social media obsessed world. Right. And so we are obviously living in a world where people are obsessed with social media and obsessed with fame and all these different things. And my whole thing is social media is not a bad thing. Social media is a great thing. I personally love social media. However, social media can definitely have some major negative effects on us. I think we all can see that. We all can agree with that. And I feel like, um, you know, that verse talks about Romans, you don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I feel like when it comes to social media, there's this tendency to just want to conform to this pattern that the world gives us. It's like, oh yeah, we all struggle with, you know, comparison. We all struggle with anxiety. We all feel lonely. We all feel depressed. We all struggle with our body image. And when I look at that and I look at the statistics of that, I'm like, yeah, but that's not how we have to live. And that's not who we're called to be. And, you know, whenever, and if social media is doing that to us, social media is not the problem. We are social media will only be as healthy as we are. And social media is this thing where, you know, anything else in our life that we'd be struggling that much with, we'd call a mentor and we'd say, Hey, when, when you were younger, you know, what'd you do whenever you were dealing with this or you call your mom, but with social media, you know, the younger generation doesn't call the older and say, hey, when you were in high school, what did you do on social media when someone <laughs> blasted you or when you got canceled? Like these new age things. We're leading the charge because we're the generation that has gotten it, but we're leading it without wisdom. You know, we're leading it without discernment. And so um, I wanted to kind of pull out some biblical truths to help be a guide and a tool to navigate through these struggles with social media. Um, you know, it's amazing that Jesus being God still says so many things in the word that actually speak directly to the issues that we're showing with social media. And I just love how relative and relatable he is. And I just thought it was quite funny that when he went to the disciples and he was calling them, he literally said, follow me. And I thought, well, that's kind of funny because social media is all about who you follow. And it really is important that you ask yourself that question. Who am I following? Because who's following your, who's, uh, sorry, who you are following is who is leading your life. And it's important we sit back and ask ourselves who we're following. That's so, so, so good. And you're right. Um, my generation did not grow up with social media. And I have to look to my kids and ask them, you know, hey, how do you ex- how do you post the story on Instagram? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and, right. And Aaron and Mariah both will say to me, we've taught you, Dad, a thousand times. And I go, <laughs> yeah, but I still don't quite get it. And, and so I think that's a tremendous insight that there's an entire universe. It's not just a technology. It's a universe of human experience that the generation before you has no experience in. And mm-hmm. But the principles of living a healthy life, of living in relationship with each other, those principles transcend technology. Totally. And, and I think sometimes we try to turn to social media to make up the gap of what we're missing in real life. Exactly. And, and it just leaves us more and more empty because it's, you know, it, it's, it's like eating a lot of dessert when you, what you really need is a good meal. <laughs> exactly. It is that. And I think, you know, we're, we're putting all these expectations on social media to give us things that wasn't ever created to give us. You know, um, it is a sense of community, but at the same time, it cannot be your only community, you know, because just like I mentioned, you can be seen 
fat, all these people, but you're not really known. And then you might say, well, Cindy, I post vulnerable stuff all the time. They know me, but you're still curating it. You're still captioning it. You're still filtering it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Social media wasn't really created for it to be our end all be all, but it's just a modern day idol for us. It's just another modern day thing that we look to that we think can fulfill some of these desires that our soul has, that it just is not created to do that. Well, you're 24, but you're married. You're married to Christian and you have um, a baby girl named Honey, which is the same age as Juno, I think, our daughter's uh, little girl. And you live a very public life and you you share a lot about your family and your life. And I think even your dog has like a massive Instagram account. <laughs> and, uh, so how do you decide, since you are so public and you and you do live in the world of social media, how do you decide what to keep private? How do you decide what's the balance between exposing your family uh, to too much um, outside, um, you, you know, uh, awareness and, and, and also to protect your family, but also to share people the story of your lives? Totally. Yeah. I've asked myself this question a lot. What is the balance? And I think people probably think I share more than I do. There's a lot of things in our life that we don't share that is private to us and is you know, just personal to us, their mm -hmm. family. Um, and then there are other things that we do post because it's fun and we want people to be welcomed in. But I'll be honest, there was a time right before I had honey where I was like, I do not ever want to post a picture of honey. I want to hide her from the world because <laughs> of some of the things I had walked through with social media. I'd walked through um, a couple of different stalker situations in my life and just really scary things. And I walked through times where people were just um, very aggressive on social media and all the different things. And I just didn't want her to ever have to deal with that. And so I almost was like, nope, I don't even want to ever post on Instagram again. I definitely don't about honey and all the things. And then I talked to a good friend of mine who is actually an actress. She's a celebrity well-known. And I said, and she shares her family with people. And I said, how did you decide to share your family? You know, it's so scary. And she said, Sadie, you know, we just believe that we are called to be the light of the world. We're called to set an example of, you know, what a faith-based family looks like. And if TV isn't going to show that example, um, then we can on Instagram, you know. And if, if you know, people don't have that in their life, then we can be a representation of that family who loves the Lord and loves each other. And yeah, we have our good days and our bad days. And we're honest about that. But we just want to set an example in every way that we can. And when she said that, I felt so challenged by that. And um, I've always kind of felt convicted and challenged by that verse in Matthew where it talks about how, you know, it says you're light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Then it says you don't light a lamp and put it under a sand. You put it on top of the sand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, Jesus says, like, do these things to glorify your father in heaven. And I think social media is such an amazing place to be that example of a light, you know, not to run from it because it's scary or run from it because there's dark things run from it because it's hard but to be that light and so there are certainly things uh with that that i use some discernment in and wisdom on okay we're not going to share this because not these are our people not the, the whole world doesn't need to know this but if we can be an example of a family that loves the lord and loves each other and uh has good days and hard days i think that's an incredible place to be an example of that but there definitely is some uh, prayer and some, uh, you know, you might want to phone a friend on some of those things. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do on a bad day? Uh, you, you, you know, you, you have to post, you, you know, people are even waiting to hear from you and, and you just have a bad day. You, you, maybe you and Christian have had a hard day or, or honey is not being as sweet as she could be. 
and uh, <laughs> or yes. you know, or something just has gone wrong. Maybe um, a dream you had or a business opportunity just fell apart. Uh, uh, how, how do you translate that to all of your followers on those days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I actually got this advice from Christine Kane, and I thought it was so good. She said, "Wait to share your story until it becomes a testimony," and um, basically why she said it like that is because there is something to sharing the hard things that we walk through that's relatable and people need to see that and need to know that everyone has a good day and a bad day. Um, But I think the tendency and what happens when sometimes this goes wrong is people share on Instagram these really hard things because they're seeking this validation from people or they're seeking this comfort from people or they're they're wanting that little dopamine hit of all those likes or all those comments or reshares. And when you go to Instagram needing something or go to TikTok or Twitter or anything on social media needing something that you really only need to get from your father in heaven or you really only need to get from your family, that's kind of a dangerous place to be because it does leave you empty. But go to Instagram or social media, whatever tool that you use and share your story. Say, hey, today was not good. It was really hard. Um, but this is what I've seen in me today. Or this is what I've seen God do. And, you know, it doesn't always have to have a beautiful end. Sometimes the end of the day isn't good. But mm-hmm. I think just that um, you're not going looking for something. You're going from the place of, hey, I worked this out with the Lord already. I worked this out with my husband. I'm not going on here to rant. I'm going on here to share, you know? And I think that's a really good thing to ask yourself because I think that can get you in a situation. That's so, so good. In fact, um, over the years with a lot of the speakers that I've worked with and I tell them, never use your platform for your personal therapy. Yeah. uh, if, If you're going through something and you're sharing it because you need therapy, it's the wrong moment to share it. You should yep, only share good. it when you're providing therapy. <laughs> you yes. know, don't 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 tell your struggles if you're needing to be healed. Share your struggles if it's actually offering healing to other people. And Great. and it's a really important um, nuance. And I think it's fascinating that at 24, you really understand that, and and it really is a part of what will protect you um, in a healthy way. And mm-hmm. because I, I don't know how many people have said things on social media that they regretted the next day. Yeah, <laughs> <know>? totally. <laughs> and, and the problem is that social media is unforgiving, even when we are forgiving. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you forgive your husband, you forgive your wife. But now the next day, the world doesn't forgive them. And you already have. <laughs> totally. Yeah, and, I think that's the thing you don't like, especially if you have a following. Um mm-hmm. You know, I think some people say, well, you don't share enough of the bad stuff or whatever, but you have to realize whenever I share something that's bad in my life, that's the thing that takes off to every news outlet, to every channel, to every repost. <laughs> that's always the thing. And yep. I'm like, I'm tired of being in the news every time something bad happens. Like, why isn't it when something good happens? And so, you know, you definitely want to be careful with what you're sharing and why, because people do tend to be very attracted to the hard things that people go through. And I think one thing we have to be careful of, I posted about this this year, is that I understand that we want to create a space that's real and authentic and not a highlight reel. We want people to understand the good and the bad, but we also shouldn't be seeking someone else's bad day to make us feel better about ourselves. 
And I think we all have to get to the point of contentment in our own life that when someone else is succeeding, it doesn't make us feel less than when someone else is having a bad day. It doesn't make us say, oh, good. They're having a bad day. It makes us have compassion and say, man, I'm so sorry that they're feeling that way. And I feel like sometimes with social media, we're kind of taking this human element out of ourselves. You know, we're looking at someone like a screen or a person or an influencer and not a real human that's walking through something. And I do think sometimes we do look for other people's bad days to validate our our life or where we're at and I, I think that that's a sad thing that I hope people can start working on in our hearts and like I said social media is only as healthy as we are so I hope we can get healthy so that it can be a healthier spot mm, uh, I just love that it's so so good all right you're also a business person and you you you, you do you write books you you dabble in the fashion you do collaborations you um, you, you have ambition, you have drive. And even as I listen to you, um, you, you seem to be very intentional, very, very focused. And where did you first begin to realize that you actually have the capacity? Because you're, you're not just sharing your story. You're actually building, if I could use it in a, a dramatic way, you're building an empire. <laughs> you know? And uh, um, have you acknowledged that you're actually really good at building a business? Have you come to the place where you realize you're really good at this? And what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? I'm sure you've learned because your dad is an incredible entrepreneur. Totally. One of the things that really struck me about Willie was, one, how much I just resonate with him. I just love your dad. And, uh, he's awesome. But, uh, he is. And I said, but man, this guy is like, he, he has instincts. He has, he's courageous. He, he trusts his intuition there. Um, it, you know, he didn't, a, a thousand people could have had a duck whistle right, or a duck call and not have accomplished what he's accomplished. Totally. What, are, what, what are some of the business principles that you've picked up maybe just environmentally that have become a part of how you make decisions? Yeah, I love that question. Um, yes, it is crazy. I'm so thankful for what I get to do. And my dad and my mom, my mom is such a businesswoman and she's a silent, she's a silent killer. Like she's like <laughs> the girl behind the scene that's crushing it. Uh, but they both are. And they both just have this entrepreneurial spirit and this go-getter attitude, this drive. I love what you said. Like a million people could have had the idea to um, have a duck whistle, but they were the ones that went and pitched it. And I do believe that. I think that's the thing that separates most people is the people that actually believe that they have something or believe they can go for it. I mean, it's like when you watch Shark Tank. You know, you watch the show and someone had the idea that you've had a thousand times, but they did something with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I think the reason why... Um, I mean, number one, the reason why uh, a business has been successful is because I do feel like the Lord has blessed it. And the Lord has done something with it. But I also believe that I had this big dream and this big vision and this big mission. And that is to literally see revival on college campuses and to actually see people believing the truth of God's word. And that's a big, that's a big vision. That's a big mission for this generation to not be known as the selfie generation, the generation that struggled so badly with anxiety, the me generation, like not that, but actually to be known as the generation who believed in the Lord and trusted the Lord and did something for the Lord. So if I want that to happen, well, then I got to work hard <laughs> to reach people the best way I can, you know? And so because I have this dream of um, really at the base level of it is to be a sister and a friend to everyone who doesn't have a sister and a friend, that gets me constantly thinking, how can I do that? 
And so, okay, that's writing a book here, that's starting a podcast, or that's starting an app, or that's starting a clothing line that has words of affirmation that affirms people and who they are. So when they're wearing it, someone sees it. And then from that point, oh, yeah, and then I'm going to start a blog because people like blogs and people read those. And that would be a daily encouragement to them. And that would remind them the truth. And then we need to do a conference and a tour because in-person gatherings and just seeing what God can do in that space. And so this like mission and this dream that I have is like fueling me to go harder and to work harder and to be determined and be intentional and to, you know, um, hire a team and work with good people because I want to see the mission happen. I want to see the vision happen. And my dad was the same way for different reasons. You know, Um, they wanted to have a successful family business and they wanted to set an example to people that, you know, faith family ducks was their thing that we love the Lord. We love our family and we like, to, we like to hunt ducks. That was their mission. And, and he took it and he ran with it. And I have my own desire to, you know, spread that message of being a sister and a friend to everyone and see revive on college campuses and see this young generation be known for something bigger than themselves. And that's going to push me harder than, than anything. And so, yeah, I think for anybody, if you're a business person or you're um, a determined person, like it really just takes believing in what you're doing and let that belief for what you're doing, wake you up in the morning and work as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. That's so, so, so good. All right. So when I was on your podcast, you said that every single time you do a podcast, you ask every person, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? <laughs> so I'm going to ask you your question. I and love it. Outside from the advice that I gave you, you know, <laughs> <and> <laughs> what's the best advice, advice you ever got? <laughs> I have repeated that advice to several people that you gave. You know, that's why I love that because I have quoted so many people, even in this podcast. I love advice from people. I love hearing from other people. I think that's how you learn is by always being a learner, by always listening. Um, but my best piece of advice, and this is funny, this is how the podcast even got started, is my mom and I were at this Q&A at a college campus. And this girl asked me what the best piece of advice that I've ever been given was. And I shared this advice that my great grandma had given me. My great grandma is amazing. She's 90 years old and dressed so solid. And um, one day I came to her house and I was super frustrated by a situation that happened. Someone did something very rude and I was like trying to think of how I'm going to get them back, like what my response is going to be. And not that I wanted to like get them back, but I just wanted to know like, what's my next move here, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I'm explaining this to my great grandma and she said, honey, she said, you're not kind because other people are kind to you. You're kind because that's who you are. And I just like it stopped me in my tracks. And it's funny because when I said this at that Q&A, my mom was hot on the mic and she said, whoa, that's good. And that's literally <laughs> what launched my podcast. But um, that advice was so pivotal for me because I think so many of us in life is like we live life as a reaction to the things that happen to us. Like when something happens to us, we just react to it. If it's a bad day, we react to that bad day with having a bad attitude. If it's a if it's a good day, we react to that by having a good attitude. If it's someone that's rude to us, we react by being rude back. But Jesus calls us to live greater than our initial reaction. You know, he says if someone slaps you across the cheek, turn and let him slap the other. You know, he says if someone asks you to go a mile, go another. So he's constantly pushing you to rise above what your initial reaction want to be and actually be who you're called to be. And so when she said that to me, I was like, oh, you're right. I'm not kind because other people are kind to me out of a response and reaction to that. 
I'm kind because that's who I am. So that will be my response, no matter what they did to me, no matter how they acted towards me. And to be honest, I'm glad that she said that to me before I got famous, if you will, because people are rude. Like people say (laughs) stuff and like it's easy to want to respond and to react and to clap back as they'd say, but there's something so spiritually mature about being able to sit there and know who you are and not need to say something and let the Holy Spirit act on your behalf. It's a powerful place to get to. Mm, mm, It's so, so good. I just, well, you're 24 and you know, it's funny, most of the time when you have someone on a podcast, you're asking them, what would you have told your younger self? But you are your younger self. <laughs> so what I want to ask you is you're 24. Um, so much has already happened in your life. You've accomplished uh, so much that you could almost uh, you could almost retire and say, I've lived a lifetime. What are some of the, your big dreams for your future? What Are, are there some things you could uh, give us an inside look at that you you could go, oh, when I'm 34, I'd love to have done this. Or when I'm 44, I would have loved to have accomplished this. Oh, totally. I'm always dreaming. I think that that <laughs> keeps you going, you know? Yep. I um, I don't want to get stagnant. I don't want to say, you know, someone asked me actually earlier today um, in a podcast, they said, you know, are you at the point where you feel like you're solid where you're at? Like, this is your team. This is what you're doing. I was like, no, like, I, I want to <laughs> keep growing. I want to keep doing. I mean, I also there's a place to know like whenever something's going good and just chill and to just stop, you know, and not strive, but there is something beautiful about like dreaming for what's next. And uh, one thing I'm excited about is we started our like in-person conference here in uh, West Monroe that we're having at the end of August. And as a team, you know, we do so much, um, honestly, globally, we do so much online and that reaches the world. But one thing we're challenging ourselves to this year is how do we Um, do locally what we're doing globally? How do we take this online thing and do this in our community? And so we're doing our conference this year here. We're doing um, college nights in our local community. And that gets me excited. And then I have this like long-term goal of having this Christian talk show to just shout out everything that the church is doing. And, you know, it's funny, but when I think when you have a dream that's like bigger than who you are, something that it would, you know, be hard to obtain, but you have to work towards. I think that just is an exciting thing. So that's one of my long-term things. Um, But right now I'm excited to reach our local community as we're reaching people globally. And we're uh, implementing that in a couple of different ways as a team this year. And that's really exciting. Well, I could totally see you having your own talk show. You know, maybe Sadie Robson Huff is going to be the next Oprah. Hey, which would be that would pretty be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just go ahead and announce it here. And so that years from now, people can come back to this uh, episode of The Genius Of and go, wow, they already knew That's that amazing. back then. No, literally, I have um, Oprah's tapes from a long time ago <laughs> in my house with all my books, just as a reminder that like, maybe one day I'll do that. So you heard it here first. Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so good. Well, you know, I, I started this podcast um, inspired by uh, the book I wrote called The Genius of Jesus. And um, and then I just wanted to also take time to highlight the genius inside of other people. And just knowing that because every human being is created in the image and likeness of God, there is that, that touch of genius in everyone because God himself has placed his genius in us. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of uh, curious, have there been some uh, geniuses in your world or in, in history that have inspired you and inspire you even to this day? 
Well, it's so good. Gosh, yes. I love this whole message that you do. And I think like genius, you know, is an intimidating word, obviously. Um, it sounds like who is a genius that I know, but then the way that you say it, it's like, it's so true. Like everyone's made in this image of God and the things that they bring out is genius and it's beautiful. And so I, I love that message. You know, there's several people for me, I think um, just in my family, like my mom and my grandma and my great grandma seeing this legacy of mm. just women who love the Lord and love their family. Like they've uh, gone through so much as a family, but you would never know it because they love each other so well and they've forgiven each other and they, um, they make life fun for all of us. And they mm. like intentionally plan things. My grandma calls it forced fun just for us to have fun. And like, I just think that's so beautiful. And I want to do that for honey. Like, I think there's something uh, so genius about legacy and uh, so beautiful when it comes to that. And so they're definitely geniuses to me. And then also like, I have to say um, not to be like all women, but genuinely like the women of faith, like Priscilla Shire and Kristen Kane and Jenny Allen. I mean, it's pretty crazy that this is like the first real like generation of time where like women are preaching in the church and going for it and starting these incredible ministries that are reaching other women. And they've set a legacy and a path for us to walk in. And so I think that's pretty genius. And they had to be bold whenever it was hard to be bold and they paid a path for me. And hopefully I can do that for the generations to come. Oh, that's, I love that. And no, you cannot mention too many women. Uh, <laughs> that's right, you, you right? Know, my, my wife and I met when we were getting our master's degrees in theology and Kim's been uh, speaking and preaching for 40 years and um, and we forced her to, but Mariah has also like stepped on that platform. She'd rather sing, but she, we've got her to teach and preach. And we have, um, awesome. some of our favorite people are you know, Brooke Odom Figueroa and, yes, and I um, love her. you know, Tess Roy. And we, it, it's been a beautiful thing and something we've worked really intentionally to make sure that the voices of women have been a part of Mosaic's culture and, and, um, and, and future. And so I, I just want to affirm that a thousand uh, percent. Thank you. I know there are people listening that probably have not yet entered into a relationship with Jesus. And even though, um, you know, we're talking um, from our experience of knowing Jesus and, and, uh, and being so inspired by him, what would be one aspect of Jesus's genius that inspires you the most? Mm, so good. You know, I have to say, um, Gosh, so many things come like flooding to mind when you think about the goodness of Jesus. And I, I want to encourage you listening. If you haven't started a relationship with him, get to know him. He's the best person to know. And he's a good God. And um, one of the things that I think is genius about Jesus that um, has always inspired me is that he was actually a good friend. And um, mm -hmm. I think that that is something so powerful that we look past sometimes that the God of the universe is a good friend. like. When he sat with Simon Peter and he redeemed that moment with him at John in John 21, after Simon and Peter had uh, denied Jesus three times, then he sat with him and he had breakfast with him and he said, do you love me? And he gave him the opportunity to say yes, three times to redeem a moment in the past when he had failed. Like that's a good friend. Like that's a friend who was willing to look past mistakes. It's a friend who was willing to sit down, to have a conversation, to have breakfast, to um, encourage him for the future. 
And that's just wild to me that a God would be a friend, um, mm. but still totally God, still totally sovereign, still totally majestic and holy, but a friend. And I see that in my own life with Jesus. Like there are moments, obviously, where you're just overwhelmed by the bigness and the magnitude of who God is. But then there are also those still quiet moments when you're just sitting with a friend in Jesus. And it's just so nice to know, uh, sharing this earlier, that we talked about social media and social media and fame is one of those things where if you make that the God of your life, your life will be a wave tossed in the ocean. I mean, it will go to and fro because it's so inconsistent because the trends of the world change every single day because the algorithm of social media even changes every single day. People like you one and they don't the next. It's just the way that it goes. But Jesus and having a friend in Jesus, he's the hope of the ages. He's the rock of ages. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's so consistent. He's so solid. And there is such confidence that comes from being found in someone who does not change. And so if you are um, unsure about a relationship with Jesus, I would just say to help you not be intimidated, he's a good friend. And to also know that confidence comes and that security of knowing that that is a God who doesn't change. And uh, that's been something that I think is uh, been something that's blown me away in my relationship with him. Mm, I love that. So beautiful, Sadie. I just want you to know, it's been just such a joy to have you on the Genius Hub podcast and to be able to celebrate the genius of Sadie Robinson Huff and to um, and and just mm. really to put some light on, on how extraordinary your life is. And it would have been so easy for you to be overshadowed by a family with so much influence and fame and success. And I just really want to encourage you because you you have paved your own path. You've um, carved out of all the blessing that you've received from the legacy of your family, um, your own story and your own future. And you really, I think, are inspiration to live mm, original. Thank you. Thank and, you. and so I want to thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to um, coming out to Louisiana someday and yes. maybe duck hunting with your dad. <laughs> hey, you got to get out here. Come duck hunting with dad. Come hang out with the fam. As long as Mariah brings Juno and she can hang out with Honey, I think it's a deal for everyone. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much, Sadie. Thank Take you care. so, so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sadie, for joining me today. And thank all of you for joining me on the Genius of Podcast. I just want to encourage you to go find Sadie online. She has so many resources. She has her own organization, Live Original. Join her and live original with her. And by the way, don't forget, the Art of Communication is out. Go to theartofcommunication.org, pick up the, the intensive seminar, pick up the masterclass, invest in yourself, and begin expanding your influence as you deepen and develop your gift of communication.